section 69 of mark twain a biography volume 2 this librivox recording is in the public domain mark twain a biography by albert bigelow payne chapter 173 a summer at antiora with the exception of one article a majestic literary fossil harper's magazine february 1890 included in the complete works clemens was writing nothing of importance at this time this article grew out of a curious old medical work containing absurd prescriptions which with theodore crane he had often laughed over at the farm a sequel to huckleberry finn huck finn and tom sawyer among the indians was begun and a number of its chapters were set in type on the new page compositor which had cost such a gallant sum and was then thought to be complete there seems to have been a plan to syndicate the story but at the end of chapter nine huck and tom had got themselves into a predicament from which it seemed impossible to extricate them and the plot was suspended for further inspiration which apparently never came clemens in fact was troubled with rheumatism in his arm and shoulder which made writing difficult mrs clemens too had twinges of the malady they planned to go abroad for the summer of eighteen ninety to take the waters of some of the german baths but they were obliged to give up the idea there were too many business complications also the health of clemens mother had become very feeble they went to tannersville in the catskills instead to the antiora club where mrs candace wheeler had gathered a congenial colony in a number of picturesque cottages with a comfortable hotel for the more transient visitor the Clemenses secured a cottage for the season. Mrs. Mary Mapes Dodge, Lawrence Hutton, Carol Beckwith, the painter, Brander Matthews, Dr. Heber Newton, Mrs. Custer, and Dora Wheeler were among those who welcomed Mark Twain and his family at a generous homemade banquet. It was the beginning of a happy summer. There was a constant visiting from one cottage to another with frequent assemblings at the bear and fox inn their general headquarters there were pantomimes and charades in which mark twain and his daughters always had star parts susie clemens who was now eighteen brilliant and charming was beginning to rival her father as a leader of entertainment her sister clara gave impersonations of mojeska and ada rian when fourth of july came there were burlesque races of which mark twain was starter and many of that light-hearted company took part sometimes in the evening they gathered in one of the cottages and told stories by the firelight and once he told the story of the golden arm so long remembered and brought them up with the same old jump at the sudden climax brander matthews remembers that clemens was obliged frequently to go to new york on business connected with the machine and the publishing and that during one of these absences a professional entertainer came along and in the course of his program told a mark twain story at which mrs clemens and the girls laughed without recognizing its authorship matthews also remembers jean as a little girl of ten allowed to ride a pony and to go barefoot to her great delight full of health and happiness a favorite of the colony clemens would seem to have forgiven brander matthews for his copyright articles for he walked over to the Matthews cottage one morning and asked to be taught piquet, the card game most in vogue there that season. At odd times he sat to Carol Beckwith for his portrait, 
and smoked a cob pipe meantime, so Beckwith painted him in that way. It was a season that closed sadly. Clemens was called to Keokuk in August to his mother's bedside, for it was believed that her end was near. She rallied, and he returned to Antiora. But on the 27th of October came the close of that long, active life, and the woman who two generations before had followed John Clemens into the wilderness and along the path of vicissitude was borne by her children to Hannibal and laid to rest at his side. She was in her eighty-eighth year. The Clemens family were back in Hartford by this time, and it was only a little later that Mrs. Clemens was summoned to the deathbed of her own mother in Elmira. Clemens accompanied her, but Jean, being taken suddenly ill, he returned to Hartford. Watching by the little girl's bedside on the night of the 27th of November, he wrote Mrs. Clemens a birthday letter, telling of Jean's improved condition and sending other good news and as many loving messages as he could devise. But it proved a sad birthday for Mrs. Clemens, for on that day her mother's gentle and beautiful soul went out from among them. The foreboding she had felt at the passing of Theodore Crane had been justified. She had a dread that the harvest of death was not yet ended. Matters in general were going badly with them, and an anxiety began to grow to get away from America, and so perhaps leave sorrow and ill-luck behind. Clemens, near the end of December, writing to his publishing manager, Hall, said, "'Merry Christmas to you, and I wish to God I could have one myself before I die.'" The house was emptier that winter than before, for Susie was at Bryn Mawr. Clemens planned some literary work, but the beginning, after his long idleness, was hard. A diversion was another portrait of himself, this time undertaken by Charles Noel Flagg. Clemens rather enjoyed portrait-sittings. He could talk and smoke, and he could incidentally acquire information. He liked to discuss any man's profession with him, and in his talks with Flagg he made a sincere effort to get that insight which would enable him to appreciate the old masters. Flagg found him a tractable sitter, and a most interesting one. Once he paid him a compliment, then apologized for having said the obvious thing. "'Never mind the apology,' said Clemens. "'The compliment that helps us on our way is not the one that is shut up in the mind, but the one that is spoken out.' When Flagg's portrait was about completed, Mrs. Clemens and Mrs. Crane came to the studio to look at it. Mrs. Clemens complained only that the necktie was crooked. "'But it's always crooked,' said Flagg, "'and I have a great fancy for the line it makes.' She straightened it on Clemens himself, but it immediately became crooked again. Clemens said, "'If you were to make that necktie straight, people would say, "'Good portrait, but there is something the matter with it.' I don't know where it is. The tie was left unchanged. End of chapter 173 A Summer at Antiora Read by John Greenman